Anybody want to guess what today's sermon's about? Yeah, we are in that season. In fact, this is the week that for some of you, you're going to go from being the last people in your neighborhood to take down in your Christmas lights to being the first people in your neighborhood to having your Christmas lights up. So uh, you got that going for you. But this week is Thanksgiving. You know, Thursday, most of us are going to get together and enjoy some food and family and football, usually in about that order. But I hope it's more than that. I've got my entire family with me this week, and we're going to really enjoy each other's company and have a lot of fun. But I hope that we'll be able to stop and step back a little bit and realize just how much God has blessed us, just how good God has been to us. Now, you think about the history of mankind. Has anyone ever been more blessed than Americans living in the 21st century? Christian Americans living in the 21st century. Shouldn't we be the most grateful people on the face of the earth? We ought to be, right? But I think so many times we kind of find ourselves uh, doing as much complaining as thanking. Uh, some people seem to have the spiritual gift of criticism. Which, by the way, is not a spiritual gift. Uh, sometimes it seems that uh, complaining kind of comes naturally to us. I heard about a young guy who went away to college for the first time. In fact, he was the first person in his family to ever go to college, and his parents were very anxious and proud of him. But after the first week, his mother called and asked how school was and how classes were, how dorm life was. And he says, well, Mom... Classes are great, but life in the dorm is terrible. In fact, I'm surrounded by the most insensitive, rude, offensive people I've ever been around. They're so selfish. She said, why, why, what's going on? She said, well, on the room to one side of me, there's a guy who just beats his head on the wall all night long. All he does is beat his head against the wall. And on the other side of me, there's this guy that just screams and moans and wails all night long. He never stops. She said, well, sweetie, that sounds horrible. How do you deal with such rude people? I said, Mom, I just do my best to ignore them. I stay in my room all night and just play my accordion. <laughs> now, usually, the easiest thing for us to do is to complain, even if we might be part of the problem. This year... Year's almost in the over, if, that, if you can believe that. This year, have you done more thanking or more complaining? If there's a big scale somewhere, and every time you said something in gratitude, every time you, you, you thanked someone or thanked God, you know, a weight went on the scale, and every time you complained about something, a weight went on this side of the scale, where would your scale be about this time of the year? Have you done more thanking? Or have you done more complaining? And the truth is we all complain. You know, we complain about all kinds of things. We complain when our cell phone doesn't work, you know, when we're out of service. Even though the thought of me being able to pull out a phone and talk to anyone I know, wherever they might be, at any point in the day, should kind of blow my mind. We complain because our you know, our, our plane has been delayed. Even though I can travel from the East Coast to the West Coast in under four hours, it used to take ten years. 
and you'd wind up with a different group of people than you started with. But we just complain. We find it easy to complain. It seems like our default mode seems to be complaining rather than thanking. And I think that's always been the case. I think that's been true of mankind since really the beginning of time. Now you go back and you think about Adam and Eve. God puts them in this beautiful garden of Eden and he, he tells them, I don't want you to eat the, the fruit of this one tree. And of course they do. And everything changes. And we read in Genesis chapter 3. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. Adam and Eve sin against God. They think they can hide from God, but of course they can't. God knows where they are, but he asks, where are you? And they said, well, we're hiding. Why are you hiding? Adam said, I was hiding because I was afraid, because I was naked. And then notice God's response to what Adam has to say. Very next verse. And he said, who told you you were naked? Who told you that? Who told you that things have changed? Who told you things were different? Who told you you need to be afraid, you need to be hiding from me? And really, since that day in the garden, Satan's been telling us things aren't like you think they are. Satan's been telling us things aren't as good as they, they could be, should be. Satan's been telling us you can't really trust God to have your best interests in heart. Since that day in the garden, Satan's been telling you, you know, your way is probably better than than God's way. The story of the Bible is a story of rescue. It's a story of redemption. Now I want to go back this morning and take a look at a, at a couple instances in, in Scripture about times when God's people went from being grateful to being kind of whining and complaining because I think there's some lessons there for us because I'm not sure that uh, human nature has really changed very much in, in, in uh, recorded history. I'm going to share some, some reasons that we complain, and reasons that people in Scripture complain. First complaint, I don't have what I need. Now for Adam and Eve, that was they didn't have the right clothes. Later on, the children of Israel would start complaining about not having other things that they needed. Now we know the story of God's people being slaves in Egypt, and they cry out to God for deliverance. And God raises up Moses to deliver them from Pharaoh. He sends ten plagues on the land to kind of soften Pharaoh up and, and allow them to you know, be set free. He splits the Red Sea open. They walk through on dry land. All these powerful, wonderful things that God has done. And it takes God's people one month before they start whining and complaining. We don't have what we need. Numbers 21. Then the people of Israel set out from Mount Hor, taking the road to the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. But the people grew impatient along the way, and they began to murmur against God and Moses. Why have you brought us out of Egypt to die here in the wilderness, they complained. There's nothing to eat here and nothing to drink, and we hate this wretched manna. We don't have what we need. There's nothing here to eat. 
I mentioned my family is all home for the holidays. Martha and I have heard all the time that our kids were growing up, especially our two boys, especially during the teenage years, there's nothing to eat in this house. There's not a thing to eat in this house. Even though the refrigerator's full, the pantry's loaded, there's nothing to eat in this house, meaning there is no pizza, there is no double-stuffed Oreos, and there is no Chex Mix Bold. The Israelites are saying, we don't have anything to eat. And we hate this wretched manna. You know, that idea of, there's nothing here, I, I don't have what I need. I talk about, I joke about my boys, that used to bother me until I realized they learned that from me. And they learned that from me, complaining about things that I don't have that I, that I need. What is it that you are convinced of that you need that you don't have? You know, God gives the Israelites manna, this sweetened bread, falling from the sky to sustain them, to nourish them. What is it that you don't have that you think you need? 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8, Ask God, and God will generously provide all you need. And you'll always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. That first complaint is, I don't have what I need. And then God comes along and says, uh, define need. See, here's the more honest complaint. Okay, I might have what I need, but I don't have what I want. If I'm being honest, I probably do have what I need, but um, I don't have what I want. And while we're being honest, let's just go ahead and admit that sometimes I don't know what I want until I see that you have it. I don't even know that I want anything until I realize that somebody else, else has something that I don't have. You know, we live in a culture of comparison, which is a really dangerous thing. Back to the Israelites, number, Numbers 14. Their voices rose in great chorus of complaints against Moses and Aaron. We wish we'd died in Egypt, or even here in the wilderness, they wailed. Why is the Lord taking us into this country only to have us die in battle? Our wives and little ones will be carried off as slaves. Let's get out of here and return to Egypt. Because in Egypt, things were so much better. And when we focus on others and what others have, what others are doing, it breeds kind of a discontent in our own lives. Because usually I'm perfectly contented with what I have until I realize that someone else has something that I don't have. And I see someone else with things that I don't have. I see other people doing things that I can't do, and I think that's not fair. And I can't even explain why it's not fair. I just feel like it's not fair. So I start to complain. Someone once said that the most unhappy people in the world are not those who have never gotten what they've always dreamed of having, but rather the most unhappy people in the world are those who have received exactly what they've always dreamed of having and come to realize that it's not that wonderful after all. We complain. We complain because we don't have what we need. We complain because we don't have what we want. And then believe it or not, we complain because we don't have what we used to have. 
Isn't it remarkable how we long for the good old days? I think I mentioned up here before that I'm getting to the age now where I can remember some of the good old days. They weren't always that good. I was talking to my dad this past week, and I talked about watching the PBS documentary by Ken Burns on the Dust Bowl that came on a while back, and I was watching it again. Those were tough times. And those were tough, tough people living in tough, tough times. I mean, they didn't know where the next meal was coming from. They had nothing. I don't really want to go back to that. Exodus chapter 16. In the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. You're going to see a theme here in the children of Israel grumbling and complaining. The Israelites said to them, If only we died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. But you brought us out into the desert to starve the entire assembly to death. Isn't it amazing how selective our memories can become? We complain about how things are. And then as soon as things change, we complain that they're not like they used to be. We complain about the good old days. If you're really honest with yourself, you were probably complaining when you were living in the good old days. Now, it's hard to wrap our minds around because nobody thinks of themselves as a complainer. We all know complainers. If I were to ask you which I'm not, don't raise your hand. If I were to ask how many complainers do we have here, I doubt anybody would raise their hand. If I were to ask how many of you know someone who's just kind of a chronic complainer, we'd all raise our hands. Because we see it in other people, but we don't see it in ourselves. It's the same thing with the Israelites. Numbers 11, chapter, or chapter 11, verse 5. We remember all the fish we used to eat for free in Egypt. We had all the cucumbers, melons, leeks, onions, and garlic that we wanted. You know, if you looked only at those two verses I just put up on the screen, you would think, hmm, life as a slave in Egypt doesn't sound that bad to me. Kind of sounds like they had it made living in Egypt. Who wouldn't want that? But I read about their story in Egypt, and I read about whips on their backs and shackles on their feet and, and, and violent taskmasters and inhumane conditions. I, I read about a people crying out to God, rescue us, deliver us. Ah, but in the good old days... Well, I remember the good old days. Where are the good old days for you? Where are you kind of longing for the good old days? In your marriage? Maybe back when the kids were little? Or if you have little kids, maybe back when the kids, you know, didn't exist? You know, your old job... When you first became a Christian, the way we used to worship, the way church was, oh, I, I long for the good old days. Let me tell you something. You are living in the good old days. Right now, these are the good old days. Because Scripture tells me that this is the day the Lord has made. I rejoice and be glad in it. Neil started us out by singing that the, the God's mercies are new every single day. We're living in the good old days. We need to act like it. I think it was Maya Angelou who said, if something's wrong, 
try to change it. If you can't change it, change the way you think about it, which is pretty good advice. If you can't change something, change your attitude. The complaining won't help. In fact, not only is complaining counterproductive, the Bible says complaining is a sin. Here's what the Apostle Paul says in Philippians chapter 2, verse 14. Do everything without complaining or arguing. Now that's an interesting verse to pick apart uh, you know, with, uh, in deep study. And I did a little bit of research on this. Do you know what that word everything literally is translated from? If you went back to the Greek, the actual Greek word there for everything means everything. That's exactly what it means. Paul says do everything without complaining or arguing. And we think, hmm, I wish I knew what he really meant. We're going to we're gonna have to study on that one a while because I'm not exactly sure what Paul's trying to tell me. I don't know exactly how to apply that into my life. Do everything without complaining or arguing. Now, I would like to complain about that, that uh, commandment because I don't like it and it's hard, but I can't complain about a verse that says don't complain. You would like to complain about a sermon on complaining, but you can't do it. Because the Bible says you can't complain. When you leave here, when you get in your car, you want to complain about the sermon. You can't do it. Because your kids will say, hey, you know, that's a sin to complain. Cicero said that gratitude is not only the greatest of all virtues, it's the parent of all virtues. So, Instead of a sermon on complaining, let me take just a couple minutes and flip the coin because the other side of complaint is thanksgiving. And that's where God wants us to live. Two quick thoughts uh, about thanksgiving. First, thanksgiving, thankfulness is something that God wants for you, not just from you. Thankfulness is something that God wants for you. Not just from you. you know, an awful lot of people get the opinion that, that God is some mean, evil, vindictive power that's sitting up there, and if we don't stroke his ego really often, if we don't tell him thanks all the time, he's going to get his feelings hurt, and he's going to get mad, and terrible things are going to happen. It is not God. Yes, God does ask to be thanked. He demands thanksgiving. He certainly deserves thanksgiving. He deserves our gratitude. When we think and really are honest with ourselves about the way God has blessed us, what's the alternative? I mean, what can we do? The knee-jerk reaction is to say thank you. But God wants that for us as much as he wants it for him. And you parents know that that's true. Because you teach your children from the time they can really talk. When someone does something nice for you, kids, you say, thank you. What do you tell that man? Thank you. We teach our children to be grateful. Why? Because we understand the blessings that come with that. We understand the blessings that come with being humble, with being appreciative. Gratitude is becoming a lost art in our world. And God wants it for us as much as he wants it to, for himself. First Thessalonians 5, always be joyful. Keep on praying. No matter what happens, Always be thankful for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. 
This is what God wants for you, not just from you. God wants you to know the blessings that spring from a gracious heart. And we understand that, don't we? We understand that we would much rather be around people who are gracious and grateful. I mean, people that are just thankful, they're fun to be around. Those are the people I want to spend time with. People that are always complaining, they're just exhausting. One more reason to be thankful. Thankfulness makes us different. Thankful people stand out. Take you back to a verse in Philippians. We looked at part of it. Let me finish the thought that Paul's making here. Do everything without complaining or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault, in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe. Thankfulness makes us different. In a world that's messed up, Paul says you're going to shine like stars in the universe if you can do everything without complaining and arguing. People are going to notice. People are going to see you. You're going to stand out if you can live this way. Numbers chapter 11, back to the, uh, back to the Israelites. Then the foreign rabble who were traveling with the Israelites began to crave the good things of Egypt, and the people of Israel also began to complain. There were people who weren't children of Israel, who weren't God's chosen people, who left Egypt with the Israelites. It wasn't just the Israelites. There were some other uh, numbers here calls them foreign rabble. And they start to complain, and God's children just join right in. And they start to complain too. And I wonder sometimes how different are we from the rest of the dark world around us when it comes to Thanksgiving. Do we just fit right in? Do we just join right in? God wants us to be different. He wants us to be grateful. And Paul says that when you live a life of thankfulness and gratitude, you shine like stars in a dark world. And I don't have to tell you that the world's a dark place. And the world's a place that desperately needs more bright light shining. Stand out, spirit of gratitude and thankfulness. At some point in the next three weeks, Martha and I are going to sit down and we're going to watch the movie White Christmas. I hope that we're able to go to the Tampa Theater and their um, holiday series on Sundays. It's really a fun place to go. If you've never done that, I highly recommend it. I used to hate the movie White Christmas. I really did. I hated it. I thought it was so hokey and lame and... After 34 years of marriage, Martha wore me down. <laughs> now I've watched it like 25 years in a row. And now it has become part of our holiday tradition. And there's a scene in that movie where Bing Crosby and, um, oh, who's the girl, who's the lady? Rosemary Clooney, thank you, are at the lodge and they can't sleep and they both find themselves at the kitchen of the lodge, you know, late at night, can't sleep, and, and Bing starts doing what all of us men do when we want to impress women. He breaks into song. <laughs> Admit it, late at night, we've all been there, right guys? And he starts singing a song, Counting My Blessings. 
And he sings, When I'm worried and I can't sleep, I count my blessings instead of sheep, and I fall asleep counting my blessings. And when my bankroll's getting small, I think of when I had none at all, and I fall asleep counting my blessings. <laughs> See, I sing late at night to Martha, and she doesn't react like Rosemary Clooney reacted. She reacts like you all reacted. She starts laughing at me. But I still like the thought. When things get hard, I'm going to count my blessings. Now my challenge for us this morning is to shine like stars. Not to complain, not to argue like everyone else, but always be joyful. Keep on praying. No matter what happens, always be thankful. This is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Let me share one more poem with you. It's an old one. I've shared it before, but I thought, you know, we sing songs over and over again. Why can't I recite poetry over and over again? It's one of my favorites. Drinking from my saucer. I've never made a fortune, and it's probably too late now, but I don't worry about that much. I'm happy anyhow. And as I go along life journey... I'm reaping better than I sow. I'm drinking from my saucer because my cup is overflowed. I haven't got a lot of riches and sometimes the going's tough. But I've got a friend in Jesus and that makes me rich enough. I thank God for His blessings and His mercies He's bestowed. I'm drinking from my saucer because my cup is overflowed. I remember times when things went wrong. My faith wore somewhat thin. And all at once the dark clouds broke and the sun shone through again. So Lord, help me not to gripe about the tough roads that I've hoed. I'm drinking from my saucer because my cup has overflowed. If God gives me strength and courage when the way, way grows steep and rough, I'll not ask for other blessings. I'm already blessed enough. And may I never be too busy to help others bear their loads. I'll keep drinking from my saucer because my cup is overflowed. The pessimist sees the cup as half empty. The optimist sees the cup as half full. The Christian sees the cup as overflowing. My challenge this morning, give thanks in all circumstances. And maybe you don't want to wait till Thursday to start thanking God for all that He's done. Neil's got a song that we're going to use as a song of encouragement this morning. As a church family, if we can pray with you, do anything on your behalf, we would love to help you in any way that we can. If you come to the front, there'll be some people here to meet you. Let's stand and sing.